We're in the middle of diversity and desperation here. Look around you, see if, you're, if there's not diversity. Look around you and see if there's not desperation. But let's just think about what the last line said. Let's, there's no telling what God can do. Amen? You know, a lot of times I put out on uh, Facebook before I uh, preach a sermon kind of what the sermon's about. And um, the Lord gave me the title, just The Power of Thanksgiving. But this is really about the stigma of depression. <clears throat> a lot of people, well, I'm a Christian, so I can't be depressed. And um, so re- I really want to deal with that today. I don't, this is, I think it's one of the most important sermons maybe I'll preach this year. I don't know. Because I believe that we shouldn't be the people that walk in depression. I, I truly believe that. I believe that we should be the most joyful people in the world. We should, but I know that's not always the case. And it, it, it is a stigma, and a lot of people don't want to admit it. They don't want to uh, actually say, well, I have been depressed. I'm, well, I'm, I'm discouraged. And so I want to look at that this morning. So I want you to really pay attention because how many of you know somebody that's depressed? Okay, and some of you are raising your hand for yourself probably. Yeah? Yeah. We're entering into the week of Thanksgiving. But did you know this season is the worst season for depression and suicide? Because there are people that are, listen, I've done so many funerals. There are people that are going to be going into the season missing a loved one that they maybe have spent all their life with. And I'm not saying mourning is depression. I'm just saying sometimes it can lead to that. So all these things I'm going to share with you this morning, these are from a, I found this website, it, it really deals with depression, <clears throat> and then we're going to look at it in the aspect of uh, how it looks in, in the eyes of, of Christ and in the Word of God. But it, listen, just because it's happening here today didn't mean it happened 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years ago. You know how many people that you can read about, and this isn't all the list, but it, the people that suffer from depression in the Bible, Job, to Jonah, to Jeremiah, to Judas, and there are a lot more in between. If you ever read the Psalms and you really you read the Psalms, how many of you like to read the Psalms? How many of you could tell that David had a lot of problems with depression? Most of all of his Psalms started off with, oh, God, where are you? I want you for, he's just negative, negative, negative. But then it turns at the end, which is, this is what I'm praying today, that this turns at the end. If you're, de- if you're dealing with depression, uh, then it turns at the end. There was a study back in 2019 uh, in America and we're talking about a two-week period of depression. Some people's their depression goes way longer than that. And so, but it, now, so I want to differentiate from being mourning and having a bad day, okay, or having a bad week. But we're talking about something that continually goes on and on. But this is just a two-week period in, in America in 2019. It says that the, the study showed that over 47 million adults suffered at least two weeks of depression in that one year. 47 million, and I guarantee you some of those were Christians. You know, in that year, there was, they said there were about 250 million adults. See, the, our population counts children. So that's a, a huge amount of people. Now, and I'm going to guess that 47 million is probably cutting it a little short, okay? So here's the conditions. I want, I want to read you some facts this morning, and I'll go through them quickly. Uh, conditions that can get worse if, if depression, if you allow it, uh, it stays in, in, your, in your soulish realm, in your mind, your will, and emotions. Conditions that can get worse 
or arthritis, asthma, cardiovascular disease, cancer, diabetes, and obesity. If you're suffering from and you're walking through a, 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 a depression, these things can become magnified and they can, they can manifest in your body. Not everyone with, with depression will experience the same symptoms, of course. Y'all know that, don't you? Symptoms can vary in severity, how often they happen, how long they last. And here are some signs and symptoms. Now listen, don't pick out one of these and go, I'm depressed, because a... <laughs> how many of you have ever felt sad, anxious, or empty? That doesn't mean necessarily. Now this is when these culminate, when these become oppressive. Feeling hopeless, worthless, pessimistic, crying a lot, feeling bothered, annoyed, or angry. Loss of interest in hobbies and interests that you once enjoyed. Decreased energy or fatigue. Difficulty concentrating, remembering, or making decisions. Moving or talking more slowly. Difficulty sleeping, early morning awakening, or oversleeping. Tim, you overslept this morning, brother, but I don't think you're depressed. <laughs> you're, always, you're always here to open the door. Where's Tim, brother Tim? There you are. You're not depressed, are you? No, no, sir, man, he's always happy. We're usually when we pull up at 8 o'clock, Miriam will say, Some, I know Tim's going to be there to open the door for me, but this morning I had to unlock the door for her because Tim overslept. <clears throat> it's not picking on you, Tim, brother. <laughs> Appetite or weight changes. Chronic physical pain with no clear cause that does not get better with treatment. Whew, that's a biggie. Like headaches, aches or pains, digestive problems or cramps. Thoughts of death, suicide, self-harm, or suicide attempts. Uh, I don't know how many, if we ask for a show of hands how many people have considered suicide in this room, it would probably stun most of the church because there would be a lot of people because we've dealt with that a lot in, uh, in ministry. Males, females, and children all have different symptoms. They don't always look the same. Actually, yes, children can be depressed. Okay? You need to be aware of that. Common causes. <clears throat> Again, this is from that website. Brain chemistry. There's maybe a chemical imbalance in, your, in parts of your brain that cause your moods to change, your sleep, appetite, all that. Hormone levels, changes in female hormones, estrogen, progesterone, family history. We deal with all these. We deal with so much of this even in, in when we do inner healing, uh, dealing with issues of the heart, family history. You're at a higher risk for developing depression if you have a family history of depression or another mood disorder. How many of you have in your, in your family, you have a history of, of depression in your family? Come on, because it's very common, okay? Um, early childhood trauma, we deal with trauma all the time. And most, uh, most trauma that affects uh, people as adults starts before they're at the age of 12, before the age of 12. So you have uh, early childhood trauma. Uh, that can be abuse, that can be uh, physical abuse, uh, mental abuse. Uh, all sorts of abuse can be a trauma of near death. It can be an erect. There's so many things that call trauma. And, and especially if it happens in childhood, it can actually happen in the womb, okay? Um, uh, brain structure. There's a greater risk for depression in the frontal lobe of your brain if it's less active. And scientists don't know yet. They don't know enough about that if it's caused by depression or, or it causes depression. Medical conditions. And many of you maybe have gone through extended periods of chronic pain. Uh, I know what that's like. Certain conditions may put you at a higher risk, such as chronic illness, uh, insomnia, chronic pain, Parkinson's disease, stroke, heart attack, heart attack and cancer, substance abuse. I'm not going to ask for hands raised here on that one. A history of substance or alcohol misuse can affect your risk. And then pain. People who feel emotional or chronic physical pain for long periods of time are significantly more likely to develop depression. Now, here's a treatment for depression. This is the world's treatment for depression. 
In the medical field, there are multiple ways of depression that is treated, and most of the time it's through medication, okay, antidepressants. And if you ever watch the commercials, they said, if you take this antidepressant, one of the side effects could be depression. <laughs> Just, or a suicide attempt, yes. That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, I want to take that. <laughs> um, there's also light therapy, psychotherapy, electroconvulsive therapy, acupuncture, and the list goes on and on and on how the medical field will treat depression. Now, here's some natural remedies, and you might want to jot these down. If, if you feel like you're dealing with any of this stuff, and you know it, uh, actually, sometimes you don't know it. Sometimes depressed people don't know they're depressed, but everybody around them does, okay? And, and, and that's a sad situation that you, find, you could find yourself in. But here's some natural remedies, and I, and I, I think these are good. Exercise. Aim for 30 minutes of physical exercise thir- three to five times a week. Exercise can increase your body's production, uh, production of what? Endorphins, which are hormones that improve your mood. You go work out. Go, go. I'm not going to tell you what to do because I don't do that. Anyway. <clears throat> but you should. Right, Reggie? Yes. Avoid alcohol and substance abuse. I will say this, in, in, it's not condemnation. I don't believe that you're going to go to hell if you, if you drink. The Bible doesn't say you can't drink. A pastor says you shouldn't drink, but it does say not to get drunk. Okay? Not to get drunk. This is facts, guys. Drink, drinking alcohol, which is a depressant. Say depressant. depressant. Oh, let's go have a party and let's drink alcohol and get depressed. It's <laughs> really what you're doing. It's a depressant. Or misusing substances may make you feel better for just a little bit. But in the long run, these substances can make depression and anxiety symptoms worse. Learn how to set limits. Feeling overwhelmed. Anybody ever feel overwhelmed? Okay. Everybody knows what it feels like to be overwhelmed. That can worsen anxiety and depression symptoms. Setting boundaries in your professional and personal life can help you feel better. You know what it means to set boundaries? It means to turn your phone off sometimes. It means to turn the TV off sometimes. It means to uh, leave work at, at the time you're supposed to leave work and not stay and think, oh, I'm overwhelmed. I've got to keep on working so I can get this done, so I can live to, live to see tomorrow, or I can pay a bill. Uh, set limits. Take care of yourself. Oh, that's a fun one. This includes getting plenty of sleep, eating a healthy diet, avoiding negative people. And participating in enjoyable activities. So now that we've identified what the world says and shows is depression, we're going to look at the power of thanksgiving. Now, listen, we're not going to cover it all today, but we're in this season. The Lord put put on my heart gratitude. That's why we're singing it every Sunday, because we have to come to the place, church, of being a people that are, are grateful uh, our, our key verse this whole time has been 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. And this is the Apostle Paul. And he likes this word. He says it a lot in his, in his, past, in his scriptures, in his letters. Rejoice. Say rejoice. rejoice. He says rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. 
In everything give thanks for this, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, 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 all of you and me. This is God's will for us to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, and to, in, in everything give thanks. That's the, that's the will of God for us. Somebody says, I don't know what God's will is for my life. Well, here's part of it. Rejoice always, pray always, be thankful always. Always. That's a good word for you this morning. So we're going to look at several things this morning that will help you to combat or get free of depression. We call this place Freedom Fellowship. And here's what we do. We give people tools. Say tools. So you have tools. How many of you uh, work with tools? How many, of you have, how many of you have a tool belt? So you can have a tool belt and put all the cool tools in it. You can go to Home Depot and say, I want that tool belt. It's got all the tools in it. And you can go home and you can look like somebody that really knows what they're doing. But you can leave the tools in your tool belt. And a lot of Christians do that. We give you tools. You come every Sunday, you get these tools, but you just leave them in the tool belt. And so nothing changes in your life. But this is application. The power, there's power and say there's power in Thanksgiving. Here's the, here's the thing. And it starts with this. Don't blame God for what you've got yourself into. I'm telling you, if you want to get depressed, depressed people always have a, they play the blame game. They always want to blame their mama or their daddy or the trauma. And listen, all those things can be real. There can be abuse. There can be trauma. But listen, at some point, you've got to go, no, 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 no. I'm not going to agree with that anymore. That's not part of my life. That's who I used to be. But my identity now is in Christ Jesus. So we have to move off from pl- blaming God. Oh, why me? Why, did I, why am I homeless? Why do I not be able? Why can't I get a job? Why can't I get a girlfriend? Why can't I get a boyfriend? Why, 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 why? You can ask those till the cows come home and you'll just get, you'll sink lower and lower and lower into depression. So quit blaming God. Start taking responsibility for your life. John 10, 10, one of my favorite verses. It says, the thief does not come. This is Jesus speaking. The thief does not come except to steal. That's all he comes for, to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's what the thief, the the enemy comes. And sometimes you're the thief. We always blame that one on, that's the devil. He didn't say the devil, says the thief. Sometimes we allow, we, we rob ourselves of joy. We rob ourselves because of our attitudes and the way we think and the way we don't act in gratitude or thanksgiving. He says, but Jesus says, but I have come that they may have life. So the, the, the Zoe, the life. And he said, not only the life that they may have it, not just abundantly, but more abundantly. He's the God of more. Christians, so often we live beneath our means. We live beneath, beneath our calling. We, we live beneath our, our family heritage, what God has called us to be. He says, I've come that you might have life and have it to the abundant. Listen, depressed, a depressed life is not an abundant life. It's just not. You, you, 1 Peter 5 eight says this. Here's the problem with a lot of people. We want to blame the devil. But we hear, look what 1 Peter 5 eight says. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil. Now, this does name him. It's not the thief. He walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. Oh, what? And say, what? May? I thought it was can, because most of us think that the devil can do whatever he wants to to us. But he can't. He says, may devour. He has to say, may I? And then you have to answer him. And you can either say, yeah, come on in, or no, stay out. 
And you do that by the way your, your attitude is. You do that by the power of, of the Holy Spirit. But you have to gird yourself up. You have to know that we have an enemy that wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And so if you're allowing him to do that, sure, you can walk in depression. You can live in depression as long as you keep the door flung wide open to the enemy. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. That means don't give him a foothold. All you got to do is start whining. All you got to do is start blaming God. All you, you got to do is start being ungrateful. And the enemy gets his foot in the door. And you know what? If eventually he does, he kicks it open. And you say, come on in. Everything's bad in my life. Uh-huh. Whine, complain, and all that. And then you think you're going to come out of depression? Mm-mm-mm. And it goes to your prayer life. Look at your prayer life. Philippians 4. This is, again, one of my favorite verses. I really said, you have a lot of favorite verses. I do. I love this one. Rejoice in the Lord always. There's that word again, rejoice. I like, I like it. Paul's, uh, you know. Here's Paul. You know where he's at? Writing his letter. Prison. <laughs> rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Some of us get in, the pri- in, in our prison, we, we, we wrap ourselves in gloom and doom, and we, we don't rejoice. And yet Paul, the apostle Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Then he says, and again, I say rejoice. And what's he, he's probably saying that to himself as much as he was to the people that are going to read the letter. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. You know what that means? That means he was probably surrounded by people that had no joy. That jailer that had no joy until Paul led him to Jesus, right, Randy? Because I, I imagine that they had to change jailers all the time because every jailer that was assigned to Paul got saved and they got joy. And the prison ward was not happy. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men because the Lord is near. He's at hand. And then look at verse 6. You need to memorize this verse. Because this is where a lot of us get in trouble. Be anxious for nothing. In other words, don't worry about anything. Don't, have, don't let fear ru- rule your life. You want to walk in, go and be slipping into depression. It's when you start worrying. You're fearful. You're anxious. You're always, you know, the things that, th- th- there's, a, there's a statement made. One time I read it on the internet, so I know it's true. <laughs> Bonjour, right? Bonjour. Says that 80% of the things that you worry about never happen. Probably even closer to 90%. We worry about stuff that isn't going to happen. He says, don't, don't be anxious uh, uh, for, any, for, uh, for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Two words here. With thanksgiving. Say with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God or your petitions. And the peace of God. Listen to this. What he promises here, church. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And it happens when you do, when you come to him by faith and not by fear. It comes to him when you come with thankfulness and not ungratefulness. It it happens when you come to him and you say, God, I trust you. I, I, I don't understand what I'm going through, but I trust you. I'm not anxious about it. I know you're going to get me through this. You've got, got me through it time after time. And, you know, we, we get through circumstances in our life, and God gets us through them. And then we forget that he got us through it. And then the next thing that comes up, oh, my God, what are we going to do? God, what are you going to do? And he says, I got you through the last one. 
There is another in the fire standing next to me. There is another in the water holding back the sea. He's with us. He's with us no matter what we're going through. So our prayer life, your prayer life must change if you're going to walk out and, and get free of, of depression. You've got to get your prayer life lined up with the Word of God. He doesn't respond to whining and grumbling. He responds to faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Colossians 4.2 says, Be persistent and devoted to prayer, being alert and focused in your prayer life with an attitude of thanksgiving, an attitude of gratitude. Amen? Amen. Be persistent and devoted. So if you're struggling with, with depression, Here's what I want you to do this morning. Examine your prayer life. What's your prayer life like? When you wake up in the morning, is it, wow, God, I get, I get another day to serve you. Holy Spirit, what have you got for me today? I, I can't wait. I'm ready to go. Or do you get up and go, oh, Lord, I'm still alive? <laughs> oh, my goodness. What am I going to do today? He wants to lead you today to paths of righteousness. Your prayers are important. The next thing that's so important is your thoughts. I want to go back to Philippians 4, an extension of what we just read in in 4 through 7. This is verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble. Say true. True. Noble. Noble. Whatever things are just. Say just. Whatever things are pure. Say pure. Pure. Whatever things are lovely. Say lovely. Lovely. Whatever things are of good report. Say good report. If there's any virtue and if there's any thing praiseworthy see that praiseworthy is like thanksgiving anything praiseworthy meditate on these things don't meditate on the the horrible things that are going on in your life they're the bad things that are going on in the world listen if you just watch the news you can go you can slip into depression some of you you allow your financial statement to dictate if you're going to rejoice in the lord or if you're going to be depressed Meditate on these things, these things, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, Paul says, do, and the God of peace will be with you again. See, he's, he says, if you'll do this, the God of peace will be with you. You do this, he will, he will give you the peace that surpasses all understanding. If you do this, he said, he will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. But there's some things we got to do, church. It just doesn't happen because we, want, we have to change the way we think. We have to have positive attitudes. You know, President Reagan, he, he was a storyteller. How many remember President Reagan? How many of you know old enough that he was a president? And you said, man, wasn't he great? He, just, he was a storyteller. And he liked to tell this one story. He told it over and over, and many of you may have heard it. But there was this, there's this mom and dad, and they had, uh, they had twin sons, and the twins were so, so different. One of them was super pessimistic, and the other one was super optimistic. There were, there were twins, but they were like, their personalities were totally different. And they got so concerned because they were so, so far gone one way or the other. And, and so they finally took them to a psychiatrist and took them to the psychiatrist. And so he thought, well, let me see what I can do with these, with these boys. And so he, he filled this room with all these toys. And, and he took the pessimistic boy and he said, let's just see how he'll respond. So he put him in this room with all these awesome toys. Can you imagine being a little boy, a room, room filled with toys? And he looked into the room. And the little boy, <laughs> he was just weeping, he was crying. He said, he walked in there and said, son, son, what's the matter? You got all these awesome toys to play with. And he said, well, if I do, I'll probably break them all. So he has another room and it's filled with horse manure. 
And he takes the other boy, the, the positive boy, the optimistic boy, and he takes him and he puts him in this room and it's just full of manure, horse manure. Austin can relate. And as soon as the boy gets in the room, he just dives in and he starts digging. He's just digging away in the horse manure. And then a psychiatrist go, my goodness, what are you doing, son? He said, well, if there's this much horse manure, there must be a horse down in there somewhere. <laughs> there must be a pony down there. See, you see the mindset? It was said that in the White House... Well, after he would, he would tell that story a lot. He said when there was something went wrong in the staff meetings or they had something going on that it was bad, they would just say, hey, wait a minute, there's got to be a pony there somewhere. <laughs> so next time you're in a situation where like everything seems bad, just say, man, there must be a pony in here somewhere. And it changes the way you think, church. We have to get to that place. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6, if you have uh, issues with, with your thought life, listen, this is another great passage. You've heard it many times from this pulpit. And, and Paul says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. See, we war from a different level, church. We don't fight depression and like the world fights depression. We, there's this thing called spiritual warfare. It says, For the weapons, say weapons. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means worldly. That's all that means, carnal. But mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. And depression is a stronghold. Some people just say, I've been depressed all my life. No, there's a, that's a stronghold. And it needs to be pulled down. And he says, for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Let me, let me explain that to you. When you have a, the thought process is going on and you feel like there's, this is negative, uh, negative thoughts are coming, then you have to take that thought and go, that is not from God. And you cast it down. You take hold of that thought and say, that's not from God. That, I know that's from the enemy. That, that thought can't stay here. If you have to, do what I've, I've always suggested. Look at it like a parenthesis, you know, a cartoon and the words are up there just look at it like that that thought and grab it and take it and put it at the foot of the cross and say Jesus that's not from that's not from you I give it I give it to you I don't want to deal with that it's like when the devil comes and knocks on the door of your heart say uh Lord would you get that you don't have to answer the door let the let the let the Lord rebuke the enemy that's trying to take hold of your mind but he says he says that to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ bringing every thought into the captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. In other words, don't put up with it. Don't live with a thought life. See, a lot of people think if I thought it, then I've sinned. No, you've only been tempted. Temptation has to be followed through with. Jesus was tempted, but he didn't follow through with it. I mean, he had the devil speaking right at him. He said, why don't you throw yourself down from this mountain? Why don't you turn those, the stones into bread so you can eat? And he says, no, it is written. No, no, it is written. And he knew the word of God. You've got to counteract the, the issues that the enemy would bring to you. You've got to counteract them with scripture. But if you don't get into the word, if you don't memorize scripture, if you don't learn scriptures, listen, he will attack you and attack you and attack you. And you'll say, oh, come on in, come on in. I don't have any defense. You have to build up your own defense mechanisms. And that's the word of God. It's the word of God. So we've got our, our thoughts, our prayers, our thoughts. The next thing is something you've heard again and again. But listen, this is so important. It's, it's your words. Your life will follow your words. Did you know that? 
what you speak and how you speak, it, it starts with your prayer life, your thought life, and then it becomes the way it comes out of your mouth. Out of, the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you have to get the abundance of God in you so that the abundance of God will come out of you when you speak. Proverbs eighteen twenty one: death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And you may, well, that doesn't make sense. Those who love it will eat its fruit. So let's look at the Passion Version. Your words are so powerful that they will kill or give life. What you speak to people is either life-giving or death. How many of you have ever had a dream and somebody's shooting, shooting a gun at you? Anybody ever had that? That's usually words. That's usually words. They're shooting words that kill. Words kill. They're like bullets. And you know what we do? We have, those same, we have that same ability to shoot those words, and we can either kill them or we can shoot words of life. We can either bring death or life with our words. He starts with the word death. Most people misquote that. They always say life and death is in the power of the tongue. He says death first. I think there's a reason for that. So we need to start. You know what you should do if you have a problem with your words and you're speaking negative thoughts? Every day when you wake up, say, Lord, put a guard on my mouth. Lord, put a guard on my mouth. And, if you, and listen, if you're, if you're married, you need to check each other. When that word comes out and it's not, and it's not life-giving, you need to check your mate and say, check your mate, check mate. You need to check your mate and say, that was not life-giving. That was not edifying. Let's change the way you think, the way you speak. Have you ever noticed you can, you can change the whole, uh, the atmosphere in your marriage if you change your words? It's amazing. Treat others like you want to be treated. Speak life and death, not death. 1 Peter 3.10 says, For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He's just quoting Psalm 34. Refrain from speaking evil. The the next thing is your words manifest into your actions. Okay, say your actions. And I got a few things and we're we're going to be done. Your actions. The first thing I want you to see is where you walk and how you walk. Colossians 2, 6, and 7. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Walk in, Say walk in Him. Walking in Him means your lifestyle is, is in Him. Okay? That's, your worship is your lifestyle. And worship is not just what we did here this morning. Worship is your lifestyle. What are you giving worth to? So he says, walk in Him. So see, it's important that you know that every day when you're walking, declaring, I'm walking in Christ today. Verse 7 says, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith. We talked last week about gratitude, faith, and the Word. Go back and, and watch these. If you have missed any of these sermons, I, I implore you to go back and watch them. I think they'll make a difference in your life. He says, established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. There's that word thanksgiving again. We walk in it. We live in it. We speak in it. And it's about thanksgiving. So where you walk and how you walk is important. What you put on is important. How many of you got dressed this morning? It amazes me. Some of you are like, no, I didn't get dressed. <laughs> then why are you here? <laughs> All right, how many of you got dressed this morning? Oh, that's better. Only a few of you are naked. Or you're in your pajamas. We should have a pajama day at church like they do at school. I'm just kidding. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. No. That would not be good. Yeah. How many of you, um, all right, this is, 
more pointed question. How many of you put on cologne or perfume this morning? How many of you next to you don't like the smell of their cologne or their perfume? <laughs> we, we put things on in the morning. We put clothes on. We put, we put cologne on. We put perfume on. We put powder, whatever you put on. Hopefully you put on deodorant. You know, you put on stuff. But it's important what we put on as in the spirit. Isaiah 61, this is, the, this is the passage that Jesus quoted in Luke when he talked about the beginning of his ministry. He said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Listen, he's talking about depression here in a lot of this. To proclaim liberty to the captives. That's about depression. Could be. And the opening of the prison doors to those who are bound. That could be about depression. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, that could be depression. To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So see, when you get up in the morning, you can put on your cologne, but why don't you also say, Lord, I just anoint myself with, the, with your presence today as I get ready to go out in the day, as I ready to get ready to go to school, I get ready to go to work. We've got to think about, and not just in the natural. See, you can take anything in the natural and, and move it to the spiritual. So you can begin to say, I'm putting on Jesus today. The Bible actually says to put on Christ. Okay, I know he's, he's within us through the Holy Spirit, but he says to put him on. In other words, he's saying acknowledge me in everything that you do. Not only what you put on him, but where you go. Hebrews 10, 24, this is a, a church, this is a pastor's, one of the, any pastor's favorite verse. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. As is the manner of some, especially after COVID hit. Oh, we don't really need to go because we might get around somebody. We might get sick. So people had a great excuse not to come to church. And, and it's, you know, some people use that to never go back to church. And many of them are battling depression because they've been separated from the flock. They've been separated from their friends. They've been separated from discipleship. They've been separated from Godly men and women that want to surround them and stir them up to good and encourage them. See, that's why we come together. We encourage. He says, for not, not forsaking, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. That's encouraging one another. And so much more as you see the day approaching. You know the day's approaching. So I believe this scripture is more important now than ever. Even at the end of that video, it said, man, you need to be in church. He, he, bring your desperation here. Bring your pain here. Bring your sickness here. It's okay because we want to we encourage you. We want to pray for you. We want to lift you before the Father. We want to love on you. We want to love on you. So where you, go, where you go is important. And it's so important, church, to stay connected to the body. Who to avoid? 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Y'all saying, oh, I've heard all these verses all my life. Hmm. So stop fooling yourselves. Evil companions will corrupt good morals and character. There's places to go and there's places not to go. Man, if I, if, there's no telling how many times I've preached that and taught and counseled that passage to people coming out of bad relationships or coming out of an addiction or coming out of whatever. And, and so many of them go right back to the, to the same group of people that all that group of people wants is to bring them back down to their level. 
Did you know people will see you give your life to Christ and they're jealous? They re- they, they'll be jealous. They're, and it's, you should make them jealous for God. That's, that's what it says that the Gentiles are going to do to the Jews, make them jealous for God. You need to live your life in such a way that, you're, that they, want, they see you and they go, man, look at my life. <sighs> Addiction, pain, separation, all the ugliness of my life. I don't want to get up in the morning. Then I see my, used to be my brother, and I see him walking in freedom. He, he's not perfect, but I see a new jump in his step. I see a, a new joy in his face. I see, I see a new passion in his life. And it's not the drugs, and it's not the alcohol, and it's not the women, and it's not, it's not the sex. It's, 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 it's something different about him. And you make him jealous for God. But if you, if, you, if you get Jesus and you go back to the same people, sometimes they're going to try to drag you back down into the same pit that they're still in. So you really have to avoid being in the wrong places at the wrong time and with the wrong people. Ephesians 5.18, we talked about alcohol earlier. It says, do not get drunk with wine. Isn't that amazing? The Bible says, do not get drunk with wine, for it is wickedness. I love this, how they amplified. For that is wickedness, corruption, stupidity. Say stupidity. (laughs) But be filled with the Holy Spirit and constantly guided by Him. How many of you have ever been drunk? By alcohol? Oh, my Lord. Woo! Last time I got drunk, I was 17 years old. And dropped before I got saved. Anybody ever had the dry heaves? How many of you, have you ever bowed at the altar of the, of the commode? Right? Isn't that a great picture? Oh, man, this is awesome. I love my life. Nothing's coming out but some saliva. And you think, oh, and it's just coming from your toenails up. And you think, oh, man, I'm living the good life. Rejoice. Woo, this is fun. I've been partying all night. It's just stupidity. And the devil says, good job, good job. Let's do it again tomorrow night. And not only you, grab some of your friends and let's go get a 24-pack. Let's go have some fun. Let's watch a cow. Listen, you don't even know what's happening by halftime. It's stupidity, the Bible says. It's not me, it's the Bible. It's the amplified guy. Whoever the amplified guy is, he said that's stupid. Okay? And finally, your purpose. See, I think this is where a lot of people get stuck, especially people that are battling depression. They don't feel like they have any purpose in life. They just feel like it's, it's, it's just useless. And people that listen, when, they, when the trail ends from depression, the last part of depression ends in this thing called suicide. I have nothing to live for. Isn't that what most people say that it commits, or right before they commit suicide? I have nothing to live for. That is a lie from the pit of hell. It is a lie from the pit of hell. It, it is such... It's such a put down to God when you say you have nothing to live for. He's, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit says, no, no, no. You've got everything to live for. You've got everything to live for. Moses, one of the most unlikely people to lead people out of the wilderness or out of bondage. 
God told Moses this in this Exodus 9.16. I think this is a beautiful verse. I don't think I'd ever preached it before, but it says this. But indeed, for this purpose, I have raised you up, that I may show my power in you, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. Did you know that he's speaking that to you today and me today? He's called every one of us to ministry. Not just me, not just this, the pastoral staff, not just elders, not, Ron, not just Ron Campbell, who, by the way, it's his birthday today. Happy birthday, Ron. He's called every one of us. Say, it's called me. Say, he's given you a ministry. You know, what, you know what the ministry he's given you is? If you don't know about it, one of them is the ministry of reconciliation. And the other ministry is to be an ambassador. He's called every one of us to be ambassadors. You know what an ambassador does? You go and represent the king. And your king, wherever you're at, you're representing the king. Either one good, good, good or bad, you're representing the king. If you call yourself a Christian, you're representing the king. You're an ambassador. And he's called us to be a minister of reconciliation. That's to bring people to Christ. That's, the, that's, the, that's to bring families together that are, fought, that are falling apart, that are not speaking to one another. You, should be, you, you would probably be the mediator in that. You're supposed to be a minister of reconciliation. He said for all of us to go and make disciples. He said for all of us to go to teach others about the commandments of Jesus. He's given a mandate for all of us. And he said, listen, I created you for me. He created you for him, that you would bring glory and honor to him. So every one of us have been called. So don't, you can't leave here and say, well, I wish I had a purpose in life. You have the greatest purpose of any person in the world. All of us have the greatest purpose. We represent the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator of the universe. And he wants us to go out there and be light in a dark dark place. You have purpose. You have purpose. God does not desire for you or me or any of his children to walk or stay in depression. He knows that an unhealed person suffering from depression can ultimately choose to end their life. And if that's you this morning, this message is for you. You may have come here today, and even last night, as recent as last night, you might have thought about killing yourself. Or you might have already been contemplating how you're going to do it. This message is for you. That God loves you and he has hope. See, depression is we, we can end this service and say, well, y'all go and y'all do what the pastor said and everything be okay. But some of you, it's, it's deep and it's embedded and you need deliverance. You may need more than just a sermon. You may need more than a prayer. And we offer that at this church. We've seen so many people come out of, of places where they thought they were going to end their life and now they're living the, the abundant life for Christ. And that doesn't mean it's always happy. It doesn't mean that. It means that you've got this peace. Even you've got a joy. You can rejoice even in all the bad circumstances in your life. Even when things look like they're falling apart around you. I don't want to discount and say, well, you know, it's just, we're just going to pray a prayer and you're going to be through with it. Some, some of you need, need some inner healing. You need to go through some counseling. You need to go to deal with the issues of your heart because I know some of you have been, some, been through some really horrible things in your life. You have been abused. You have been hurt. You have been traumatized. But I'm telling you, these are some tools, even as you get free from that, that you start walking in these things to stay above it and not under it, Okay. So with the ministry team to go ahead and come up, and I want everybody else to bow your heads.